Amen. So grateful to be able to worship with you today as we start a new series on when Jesus appears. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the appearances, the encounters that followers of Jesus had with him after he rose from the dead. And the reason we're going to look at these encounters is because we want to know what to look for and how to respond when Jesus meets with us. Because we know the truth that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive, and he still has a work that he wants to do in our lives. He still wants to meet with us. He wants to encounter us as we walk through life. As a matter of fact, Jesus appeared to a number of different people for 40 days after he rose from the dead. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, that at one moment, Jesus appeared to at least 500 people, 500 witnesses at one single moment. I mean, how incredible must that have been? And what blows my mind is not that the risen Jesus could appear to 500 people all at once. What blows my mind is that Jesus appearing to all these different people over 40 days, that there were still many people around who didn't believe in the risen Jesus. And, and here's why I think that is. If you're taking notes, it's because seeing is not always believing. Don't we see that in our own lives? People who see a miracle of God, they see a move of God, they experience the power of God through the Holy Spirit, that there's a, a healing or their experiences or circumstances that come together in such a way or an encounter with someone. Something happens in life that can only be God. There's no other way to explain it, and yet we still don't believe. We all know those people. We've all been those people where we experience God moving in our life, and yet we still don't believe. Now, there is one thing in life that if we can hold on to it, it will help us that when we see the evidence of God at work in, in the world, in our lives, in people around us, that when we see it, there's one thing if we can hold on to it, that it will help us to have a clear picture, an understanding, a, a true belief in the God that's behind it. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen for us. And here on the, the screen is is clearly the one thing that we have to have if we're going to see and understand who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's doing. The problem is it's hidden from us, right? But you've all got some glasses in your chair. If you were to take these glasses and you were to put them on and you were to look at the screen, and we'll put it up on the big screen, you're going to see the one thing that if we can hold on to that, that we'll be able to see clearly— and hold on to who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. If you're watching online with this, if you were to have one of these fancy pair of glasses, you would see the word faith up on the screen. And the reason that we can see it is because we have the proper tools in our hands to be able to see the truth, the message that can give us an understanding. But here's what I know about these glasses, is that the only reason that you put them on this morning is because you believed there was a message to be found. You don't walk around with these 
day in and day out. You're not going to show up tomorrow morning. I don't think so. You're not going to show up tomorrow morning at work with these glasses. Right? If you do, you're a special kind of person. And we're just, we love life with you. But the reason that you put them on is because you expect a message to be found when you put them on. That you had at least enough trust, if no other thing than just a little bit of curiosity. Enough faith, enough trust just to be curious that I wonder even if there's a message to be found and so you put the glasses on. But if you didn't believe me, if you had no belief in me, no trust whatsoever, that it didn't even spark a little bit of curiosity, there's no way you're putting the glasses on. And it's the same for us in life that we've got to have enough trust and belief and faith in God at least to have some curiosity to pursue that perhaps there's some truth to be found if I will look for it. That maybe there's something behind this message of Jesus, enough trust in my heart to at least be curious to pursue it and see what might be there. And so we begin to take the tools of God's word, of worship, of prayer, of, of coming into the life of the church just to see what might be there, to use the tools that God's given us to see, could there be something more? But here's the problem, is that sometimes all the evidence is right there before us, but we don't have enough trust to use the tools to even investigate, to see. This is the key thing, is we've got to have some level of faith, because Here's what I know about us as human beings is that if I'm not open to Jesus, I may not see Jesus even if he stands right here in front of me. Even if Jesus showed up in the flesh and said, here I am, see the wounds in my side and see the wounds in my hands, see the wounds in my feet. Many of us would find a way to explain that away. And why isn't that Jesus doesn't, doesn't just show up here? Well, for one, the only thing that God has ever required of us is faith. You look through all the scripture, you will never find a place where God says, I need you to get your act together and then you'll be good enough to be with me. God will never say that. There's only one thing he ever requires of us and it's faith, just to trust him. But here's the second reason I think is so important for us is that we cannot base our life with God just on experiences just on what we see, because if we will base our life with God only on experiences and the evidence that we see, that there will come a point in life where we will explain it away. Oh, I just, I overreacted. I, I just, I just imagined that. It, it wasn't what I made it to be. Maybe I don't remember it correctly. And we'll all find all kinds of ways, because if we're not open to seeing Jesus, even if the evidence there, we will find a way not to see it. We've got to be able to come to him, use the tools, the lens of, God, I trust you. Even if it's just enough to be curious, I'm going to step into the things that you've given me that I might see if there's something more. This is the truth of what we see with one of the first encounters with two disciples who meet the risen Jesus. So today we're in Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, and we're going to start in verse 13. And this is what it says. Now that, sa that same day, two of them, now who are them? If you were to jump back a few verses to verse 9, we find the women who have seen the risen Jesus go to tell the 11 
and all the others. Who are all the others? It's all the other followers of Jesus that were there. These apparently are two of the others who hear the good news that Jesus is risen. So two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. In other words, they're leaving Jerusalem. A seven-mile trip to the west. They're leaving the place where all the things are happening. And they're going somewhere else. So they've heard. Now they're going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Everything that follows here that we're going to talk about this morning is centered on verse 16. They were kept from recognizing him. I want us to see this clearly. It wasn't their obstinance or their pride or their ignorance that there was an outside force that prevented them from seeing who it was that was walking with them. That even though they saw Jesus with them, they did not recognize him for who he was. Now, who was it that prevented them from seeing clearly who this was? It was God. God had a reason, God had a purpose for not letting them to see who Jesus was just yet. Now, everything that follows this is our investigation to see why is it that God would not let them see who Jesus was even as he walked with them. In other words, Jesus showed up in the flesh, but they didn't see him. Why is that? Let's keep going. Verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. You can hear their just frustration rising with this man. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, that's so important, we had hoped, they said, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You ever had some hopes that you felt were broken, unfulfilled? That's what they're feeling in this moment. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So here are these two disciples. We're not sure of who they are. Maybe they're friends. Maybe they're a married couple, but they're leaving Jerusalem. They're heading what we believe to be their home, Jesus shows up and he says, hey guys, looks like you're pretty uh, downtrodden. Looks like you've had some uh, difficult circumstances in life. What's wrong? What are you talking about? Why are you so sad? And they begin to tell Jesus about all their hopes, 
Oh, this is what we thought was going to be. This is what we hoped would be. But this is here where we are. And all the things that we wanted to be, all the things that we hoped to be, all the things that we believed that would be, have not come to be. And they had all these things that they were looking for, all these things that they expected that did not come to be. And what do they experience? Disappointment. And here's the truth for all of us, as it was for them, is that disappointment points to unmet expectations. They expected some things of Jesus that in their mind did not come to be, that Jesus didn't fulfill what they thought he would. And don't miss this. Because of their unmet expectations, their vision was clouded. They could not see clearly because what they thought would be did not come to be. But the problem is, is that their expectations were not based in reality. They weren't based on what Jesus said he would come to do. I mean, think about it. All the evidence is there for them. The irony of the story is that the two disciples, even as they're disappointed, they're talking with Jesus, who they don't know to be Jesus, and they're laying out for him all the evidence for the risen Jesus. And they start off like, it's the third day. Maybe vaguely they remembered something about Jesus saying something about the third day, that I'm going to rise from the third day. For them, it is the third day, but because they've left Jerusalem, they don't know that what they expected has actually happened. For them, the third day was the period on the end of the sentence. They didn't realize that it was just a comma in God's story, and he was just getting started. But for them, it was over, and the third day brought nothing, and they left. And they were disappointed. And they said, we hoped he would be the one who would redeem us. Now, what do they mean by redeem? They certainly didn't mean what Jesus meant to come and do and redeem. They thought redemption was to bring an earthly kingdom where he would be an earthly king and he would drive Rome out and he would finally bring Israel into their glory on earth and it would be finally what they had hoped for. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't meet that expectation. He says, and then we had this story of a, an empty tomb, but it, it came from these women. Now, I'm not, I'm not bashing women today, but in the first century, a woman was not a reliable witness. Certainly not in court. It would not stand up. And they're like, we don't even have a reliable witness that anything has happened. And, and oh yeah, there was a story of angels but isn't it interesting because they're unmet expectations. They, they turn a reality of the appearance of angels into the story of a vision of angels. Uh, this is what they saw, but we're not sure. And what, what, what really gets me is they get to the end and they say, and there's this empty tomb. There's no body. And they can't see it because their expectation was that Jesus would be a king on earth. And they don't realize that the empty tomb is the very evidence of what they were looking for. And they're left wondering, like, we don't know what to do with this. Because the unmet expectations led to this deep disappointment that clouded their vision. And it happens to you and me too. One of the deepest, most difficult, strongest reasons for us to walk away from God, to walk away from Jesus, is because he does not do what we want him to do. We've all been there. You didn't answer that prayer. 
I prayed for this person to get well. I loved them. They were important to me. God, I needed them and you let them die. God, I needed you to bring a miracle to fix this situation and you didn't. And I went through the pain and the difficulty and the suffering anyway. God, I need you to to heal this diagnosis, and you didn't. God, I need you to bring some financial freedom, and you didn't. God, I need you to heal this relationship, and you didn't. And because God doesn't meet that expectation, we walk away and we say, I can't believe. And our vision gets clouded. And God would call us back, would you just trust me just enough? Even to just be curious, to to look back, at least look over your shoulder and see that I'm right here with you and I'm not done yet. Because even when our expectations are not met, it doesn't mean that God is not God and it doesn't mean that he's not good. It only means we only have a sliver of the greater picture. And we make decisions based on tiny little bits of evidence clouded by our bias and our disappointment. And God has this whole big picture for us to see. We have enough trust to say, Lord, I'm I'm hurting, I'm disappointed, but I'm going to still pursue you. Because when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to keep pursuing and keep looking, I promise you we will find truth. And that's what happens with these two. We keep going. We're going to see because they kept walking with him, something incredible happens. Verse 25, he said to them, Jesus speaking, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, What was said in all the scriptures concerning himself? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 and those with, with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I love how this story, because they're willing to keep walking with Jesus, even in their disappointment, that their eyes were opened. But don't miss this. Their eyes were not opened because they saw him. They had already seen him. A lot of times we want to take this story and, and we want to turn it into something. Well, he broke the bread and, and they recognized him from the Last Supper and, and they realized what was going on. No, these two were not with Jesus at the Last Supper. Only, only the 12 disciples were with Jesus at that Last Supper. These two were not with him. They had no, no vision of that. And some people will say, well, no, it was, 
it, it, they saw the wounds and they understood. But, but it's, we need to understand clearly the text tells us that their eyes, they didn't open their eyes. Their eyes were opened for them. The God who had concealed Jesus to them now reveals Jesus to them. And why does that happen? It's because they, even in their disappointment, they continued to walk with Jesus. And when he spoke, they had just enough trust to be curious, to listen to what God was saying to them through his son Jesus. And perhaps it was something greater than they could have hoped for before. Let me say it this way. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. What did they say after they had their eyes open and they saw Jesus for who he was? Did not our hearts burn within us even while he was talking with us? Something was stirring up in them. Even before they saw clearly, there was something stirring up in them, building their faith. That they could see that there was something more than what met the eye. And that trust that they had allowed them to see. And because something was burning up in them, what did they do? Jesus went on along further as if he was going to go on. And they said, wait, wait, wait. Stay with us. Now, they did not know who this guy was. When it was very common in that day if you're traveling because roads were dangerous that if you were a single traveler, you would look for somebody else to walk with. And, and perhaps that's what they thought Jesus was doing. But by no means would you just necessarily invite the stranger to stay with you. But something was happening in their heart. And they said, would you stay with us? Because something incredible is taking place in our midst. And that faith that was stirring up in them, that faith that called them to say, Jesus, would you stay with us, is what led them to be able to see. Now, I want to take a look at a couple of the, the key themes here as they had enough belief to be able to pursue, to be able to invite, to be able to see what was it that Jesus was aware of and doing in that moment. Here's the first thing I want us to see, is that Jesus was on a walk with two disciples, Two parts of this that are really important. Number one, he was on a walk. He was on a journey. He met with them as they're walking. In the midst of where they were, he showed up. He came to them. And he didn't stop them and say, sit down, I need to tell you some things. No, he kept walking with them. We saw this last week as he walked with the women. He goes on a journey with us through the things that we're walking with, through. Through the things that we're dealing with. And he walks right beside us, never leaving us. You have a promise from God that he will never leave you or forsake you. But who he was walking with were two people that had already been pursuing Jesus. They were open to who he was and what he did and what he said. They were part of the group that had been listening to Jesus. That They thought this was the one. This could be it. This is what we're waiting for. And they were pursuing him as he pursued them. And my, my question for us is, are we open to the possibility of who Jesus is and what he does enough that we would say, Lord, I'm looking. Lord, I'm searching. Lord, it, it could be possible. And, and you might be here today, you might be watching online, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm really not sure about this Jesus thing. And that is okay. That You do not have to have understanding to be at least curious to pursue. 
And I'm telling you, if you'll be curious enough, just enough trust to say, let me check it out for myself, you're going to find more than what you possibly knew could be there. Maybe you're here and you're following Jesus and you're like, you know what, I've been trying to. I've been trying to figure this out, but I've experienced disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, and I'm not sure what to do with it. And my response to you is to just keep walking with him. Keep looking. Keep asking questions. Keep listening. Keep pursuing. He will be found by you, and there is always more. I'm amazed year after year after year of how much more there is of God to be found through his Son and through his Spirit if we will keep walking with him. Here's a second point that we need to see is that their eyes are opened because the word is opened. This, this should amaze you. It, it amazes me. So Jesus shows up. Why are you so upset? What are you disappointed about? What are you talking about? Well, don't you know? Are you the only one who doesn't know? You've been living under a rock? And then he says, he begins to walk through the scripture. For them, the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, explaining to them what they should have been expecting all along of the Messiah. This had to have been the most amazing sermon of all time. Chapter by chapter, book by book, walking through. See, Jesus, the the Messiah is there in Genesis. See, there's the Messiah in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and on and on and on. Don't you see how all the prophecies pointed to him? All the stories were centered on him? Write this down in your notes. Go check this out this week. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem to be crucified, and he tells his disciples, he quotes Psalm 118, which, by the way, is the same psalm that the people were crying out, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is the son of David, just a few days before they crucified him they thought they were going to make him king and he takes that same chapter of psalms and he quotes to them and he says the stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone now what is a cornerstone a cornerstone is the very first stone that a builder lays and every other stone that they lay has to be built on and based on that stone and what jesus is saying is every building block of life and truth is based on me Whether you receive it or not, whether you reject me or not, it's still the cornerstone. And so he walks them through Scripture to show them how the Messiah is the cornerstone of every other thing. And how it's always been pointing to him. And how his life was the evidence of all the things that God had been saying. And their hearts began to burn within them Not because he said, here I am. He didn't start glowing. He didn't start floating and levitating. Fire didn't shoot from his eyes. Like He just opened the word for them and their hearts began to burn. Wouldn't that be amazing that we would begin to to hear the voice of God so clearly as he opens it up that our hearts begin to burn? God, give us hearts to burn when we hear your truth so that we could do just like these two and we can invite him in. And when we invite him in, our eyes will be opened. And then one more thing. I'm going to close with this. Faith precedes understanding. They had enough belief 
to listen to him. And as they listened, their hearts burned. And because their hearts were burning, they recognized something was going on. They invited him in. And it wasn't until they invited him in that their eyes were opened. They had enough trust to pursue, enough trust to be curious, enough trust to say, let me find out for myself what this guy's all about and what he's saying. And when they had enough trust to invite him in, their eyes were opened. Listen, we don't have to understand everything to believe something. You don't have to see all the things clearly to just have enough faith to say, God, I'm not sure, but I, I want to pursue you. I'm, I'm not sure about all this, God, but, but I'm after you. Again, why is it that Jesus doesn't just show up and say, here I am, believe in me. Let me show you the wounds. Why doesn't he do that? Because God knows our hearts. And he knows that somewhere along the way, we would explain all that away. God knows that somewhere along the way, we would say that was a dream. I, I embellished it. I, I overestimated what I thought it was. We would find some scientific reason to say that it couldn't have been real. Because when we're not open to Jesus, we won't see him even if he stands right in front of us. And that's why God never says, get your act together. He only says, trust me. Come to me with faith. And you will see. Do you have enough faith? Just to be curious. To go deeper, to dive more in. To say, let me, let me just see what all is in, in your word, God. Because, listen, an hour or 30 minutes a week is just not enough to open up the treasures and the truth of what God has for us. We've got to walk with him. Let him walk with us as we pursue him. Use the lens that he's given us. I trust you enough to just pursue it, God. And if you're, not, if you're here and you're just like, I just don't know. I really don't know. Let me just ask you, would you just be curious enough to check it out? And here's why. If I'm wrong and he's not who he said he was, you haven't lost much. But if I'm right and he's the son of God and he is the way to heaven and he is the way to eternal life and the only way to the Father is through him by faith and you don't pursue it, you lose everything. Everything, everything. Would you be, have just enough trust to just be curious and pursue it? And if you're kind of halfway, that makes no sense to me because if he is really who he said he is, if he's Lord of Lords, there is no halfway. It's all or nothing. It's your Lord or you're not. Are you willing to walk with him and pursue it and say, Lord, let me investigate all of who you are? And maybe you're walking with Jesus today and, and you realize, you know what, I, I trust him enough to be savior. I trust him enough to get me into heaven, but I have not trusted him enough to be my Lord. I still wanna be in control of the decisions, of the relationships, uh, of the things that I think and feel and do. I wanna be in charge of those things, not him. And I'm asking you to have enough faith to let him be Lord 
of your life. So God, I don't see clearly. So God, would you give me a lens of faith to begin to understand fully who you are and what you're calling me to, how I can surrender to you? Would you have just enough faith, I'll say it one more time, to be curious enough to say, let me investigate who you are, what you do, who you call me to be. So I want to pray for us. If you'll stand. That wherever you are, that you'll be willing to take that next step. You'll put those lenses of faith on and say, let let me see what might be here. And see where Jesus will meet you right here in this moment, in this day, whatever you're wrestling with. And where he might take you. What he might call of you. Because I love the disciples, those two, they leave Emmaus. I think they're probably sprinting back to Jerusalem and it says that they tell the others what had happened on the way there's always a next step always a call of obedience always and I want us to leave this place with a heart to say I want to take my next step with you with you Jesus I want to respond I want to share with others and you don't have to be a Bible scholar you just have to share what happens on the way as Jesus walks with you you got a story to share you need to share it with somebody It might be like these two to build the faith of believers. It might be that Jesus wants to bring somebody into his family and you're the person he wants to use to share his good news with them. What is God calling you to? to? So let me pray for you. We're going to have pastors down here at the front if you want to pray more as we sing this final song. Or you can pray on your own. But don't miss what God might be saying as we, we close out together. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. We're grateful for your truth and your word. Lord, it amazes me that even 2,000 years later, you still use the proclamation, teaching and preaching and the opening up of your word to bring faith. When you could just show up and show us and, and, and it could be over, God, that is not what you choose to do. And Paul tells us, Lord, that it's foolishness to the unbeliever, but to those who see, who put on the lens of faith, even if it's just a tiny little bit, enough to be curious, these are the words of life. God, open our hearts. Give us hearts that burn within us to see you clearly, to hear your voice, to take our next step of obedience, to share what happens on the way with you. Come, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Move right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.